Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. This is Anna Jaworski, and I hope you've been enjoying our spotlight on cardiac athletes. Today, we have an extra special treat for you. For the very first time, we have an Olympic silver medalist on our program. I remember watching the Olympics every year with my family, and figure skating and gymnastics were my favorite sports to watch. When I found out that one of my favorite skaters had a cardiac condition, I was stunned. So today's program features 1992 silver medalist and fellow Texan, Paul Paul Wiley, welcome to. <laughs> How do you like that? I know you're from Dallas, Texas. <laughs> yes, I was born in Dallas, and I mean, I have the distinction of being the first native Texan to win a Winter Olympic medal. So, oh my I mean, gosh. it's not easy to be the first Texan to do anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's such an awesome statistic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the head of the USOC's PR department was this guy named Bob Condren, and he's from Texas. And so we would always kind of walk back and forth, and I'd be like, hey, Tex, what's going on? (laughs) And so he was like, you know, I researched this, and it is the truth. You are the first Native Texan to win a Winter Olympic medal. So there you have it. Oh, my gosh. And here you are on my program. I feel so honored. Oh, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Paul, seeing you skate on the ice, which is so physically demanding, One would never expect you to have a cardiac condition. Can you tell us about what happened to you? Sure. I was working out about three years ago, and I was doing some running with buddies, and we were doing sprints, and in the middle of the workout, I doubled over and fell forward. And at that point, I was having sudden cardiac arrest. Luckily, A couple of my running buddies did CPR on me for the six minutes that it took for them to also communicate to get 911 and to get people to come. And they came very fast and tried to defibrillate me. That didn't quite work. So then they revived me with an injection of, I think it's epinephrine, into my shin. And so then I was put immediately into the ambulance and taken to the hospital And they started to cool me in a process that's called therapeutic hypothermia. And so that basically kind of enables you to stabilize so that systems don't shut down, I guess. And then they did all the diagnostics. They did heart catheterization, and it didn't seem like there were any blockages at all. I had quite a healthy heart, but sudden cardiac arrest is one of those sort of silent killers, essentially, where your heart beats so fast that it can't pump the blood to your brain or to your muscles. And so at that point, yeah, you you have very little time unless you're getting care. At any rate, I survived. I woke up from that event two days later. My wife had been sitting there in the hospital with my sneakers on her lap. 
Oh my gosh. Wow. So you woke up two days later. So they put you in a coma to try and stabilize you to get your heart beat back where it needed to be and for the medications to go through your body. Is that what happened? Yes. And so I think that they discovered from people who had like fallen through ice and things like that, that they did a lot better when they had this cooling going on in their body because it kind of slowed all the systems down and let them get back to normal. I don't know the science behind it, but what I do know is that the doctors told Kate that how I came to would really kind of indicate how much damage had been done in my brain. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, she said that she had a lot of faith that things were going to be fine, but I can't imagine. I mean, I think that kind of tears me up inside thinking about her sitting there for two days and you know, my brother-in-law was flying through Charlotte, got off the plane, came to the hospital and watched overnight to give Kate a rest. I had all these tubes and machines and you're essentially on life support at that point. So I was in the intensive care. Right. So when I came to, my first question to her was health insurance. <laughs> So I had been intubated <laughs> and, they, you know, I had a very raspy voice, but I'm just watching all of these people scurry around, I guess. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, howdy, I hope we've paid our health insurance premium. And then I couldn't figure out why it was that I had been put into an ambulance. So it was like, mm-hmm. I said, well, how did I get here? What happened? Right. Well, they brought you over in an ambulance. I said, well, why an ambulance? That was expensive. I just passed out. She goes, well, it was a little bit more than passing out. <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway, then they did all the tests and decided that it would be prudent to give me an ICD. So I have a Medtronic device that is both a defibrillator and a pacemaker. So if I ever got into the situation where my heart was in cardiac arrest, then it would shock me. Right. So that was a bit of an insurance policy. And so nine days later, I went home and started to recover from that. And within probably three or four months, I was back skating. I did a performance. I did a performance on television about five months later. And then I did a performance with Katya Gordieva to commemorate her husband's passing. I don't know if you remember Sergei Grinkov, but you know he passed away of a heart attack in our rehearsals at Stars on Ice. And so we were celebrating the 25th anniversary of that. So, you know, I really got myself back into shape. And so I decided to try to run in the Medtronic Twin Cities 10 miler. And so I was a part of their Global Heroes, which was an incredible honor. So they had people from all over the world who had Medtronic devices come in Well, not just Medtronic devices, but devices Uh that keep them alive. Wow. And so we ran, some people ran in the marathon. And I mean, you would just not believe these people. So many more inspiring stories than I've ever heard from all over the world. And so it was really great. And I got in shape for that and I did the 10 miler. But as I was preparing for that, I noticed that I was getting tightening in my chest. And Mm. so I was thinking to myself, okay, this isn't that great. Right, right. (laughs) So I went to my GP and he listened and he said, I think you should get an EKG. And so we did that with a little ultrasound. And he said, you know what? You have aortic stenosis and it's progressing. I mean, I knew that I had aortic stenosis from the time before, but it had progressed. And so... 
basically over about three months, it got to the point where I asked a lot of different cardiologists and at great places. They said, we think that you need a valve replacement. And so I was like, okay, cardiac surgery number two. Right, (laughs) right. And I went through a lot of research and soul searching Mm -hmm. to figure out, you know, what was the appropriate step to take? And I sent my stuff off to several different places. And they said, we think you should do another stress echo and get the ultrasound done while you're exercising. And so I was on this bike and then they were doing it. And then once those results came back, they said, you need to do this within the next six months. And so I said, okay. So I planned for the surgery. And then it was the question of like, what kind of surgery do you Mm -hmm. get? Because they have the TAVR, which is the transcatheter kind. Right. But they looked at three different factors for me that were not going to work. I'm small. I'm 5'4". That means that my heart is relatively smaller and the little things that they have to move around. Like a 37-inch chest. So it's not like it's a giant football player. And (laughs) I, yeah, I plan to be active, right? And I'm young. And so I guess the thing is that over time, obviously the valves wear out no matter what kind of a valve you have. You know, so there's a lot of different kinds. You can get these synthetic ones, but those make noise and require you to take blood thinners. And then you can get a pig valve or a cow valve. And I kind of went all the way through the research the, the TAVR valves were not going to work for me because they were going to be too small mm. for what I needed right now. Because once they wear out, they put the next valve in and then the next valve in like Russian nesting dolls, you know. And so <laughs> they said, you know, if we don't start with a large one, then it's yeah. not going to be big enough for you. So at any rate, I decided to go with the pig valve. And mm-hmm. so it's a Medtronic unit as well. And so I had that open heart surgery done in April. And so I am still pretty much in the process of the recovery from that. I'm running again. I haven't done a lot of skating, but my sternum is finally healed enough so that I'm doing push-ups and things that are more normal for me to work out. Right. Anyway, right. Wow. <laughs> I feel like I'm, this, this is my second lap around. <laughs> yeah, but a lot harder. This one has been. Yeah, yeah actually. I don't know why, but I mean, I think because they break you open, you know, and, and so it's that the open heart surgery part of it to come back from has been difficult. Right. Well, they don't have to crack your chest to put the ICD in because your heart has normal anatomy. My son yes. was born with a congenital heart defect, but his heart structure isn't normal like yours is. So everything is more complicated for you. Oh, uh, right. But yeah, when they have to spread that sternum to get to your heart, they're moving the ribs. It affects your back. It's amazing how many different muscles and parts of your body can hurt that probably well, I don't know. You're a strenuous athlete, so you've probably hurt yourself a lot in the past. <laughs> well, but- I just, you know what I expected, and this is just classic me, right? I was thinking that it would be like when you get a new engine for your car, <laughs> and then you're like, wow, this is awesome. I'm running a five and a half minute mile now. I was never running faster than seven and a half, but this is great. <laughs> no, it didn't work no. that way. No, no, no. But the fact is that you can run, which is pretty amazing. It is amazing. I am so excited that you're here to help me promote awareness of heart defects and especially 
something like this with the valve needing to be replaced. A lot of people don't think about that. They only think about a heart attack, and they don't think about yeah the different ages that people can be affected. But like you said, you know a figure skater who died, and he was relatively young, as I remember. Yeah, he was twenty eight. Uh, so, I mean, that was, and I mean, they were, they just had won this competition where they took on all the other gold medalists that were skating still. And I mean, they were in the middle of a run through, but I mean, he had a complete blockage, right? And, you know, you were mentioning, like, I was born with a bicuspid aortic valve, which is what sort of facilitated the aortic stenosis. And so what's, I mean, it's like a 1% of the population has it. It's a birth defect. Most people have a tricuspid right. aortic valve, and so mine was bicuspid. And I think that what they say is that when you get to about the age of 50, that that's when aortic stenosis starts to take place because of the way that the heart has been sort of maybe stressed for years, you know. So anyway, that's, right. I wanted to mention that that's what they pointed to as the root cause for the aortic stenosis. They never figured out what the root cause of the sudden cardiac arrest was, and the two are unrelated according to the folks that I've had as doctors. So it's kind of hard to believe. Yeah, (laughs) but yeah, it really is. Yeah. And when I think about the kind of training that I did for figure skating, just the very intense interval training and everybody thinks figure skating looks really easy, but the four and a half minute program is you're pretty much going from your anaerobic max for several minutes at a time with a small recovery and then back to that max. Mm-hmm. And I remember the people from the U.S. Olympic Committee coming over. I was training in Colorado Springs and I put on one of those polar heart rate monitors before. I mean, this was years ago, like in the in mid 80s. And they said, we had no idea that you athletes work this hard. <laughs> Right. And you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is hard because, yeah. you know, we're skating down the ice and then we're doing a jump and then we're right. doing a spin and essentially exerting all of this energy. Anyway, I am looking forward to getting back to skating and skiing is a huge passion of mine because like last year I had this amazing ski year. It was my big goal was to ski out west, and I skied this really tough run in Jackson Hole, and so I was like, okay, that's how it's going to go. And then I was like, okay, I'm doing this all before the surgery, so now I have to get myself back to that level. So I guess I have that same motivation, but I think you have to live within some limitations at some point. Well, you do. And I'm amazed that you were able to skate as well as you did for as long as you did with a bicuspid aortic valve. Because some people at a much younger age need to have some kind of repair done. It's interesting because I'm doing this cardiac athlete spotlight series right now. And the number one birth defect that we've talked about is bicuspid aortic valve. And I actually talked to a geneticist who said he thinks that about 3% of the population is born with a bicuspid aortic valve because a lot of people are not diagnosed until they're in their 50s, just like you just said. Right. Well, it's interesting too, because I went in and had a physical and the guy listened to my heart and he said, I hear a murmur and he diagnosed it as a mitral valve prolapse. So I don't know whether that was a misdiagnosis at that time. But I know that every time I went to the dentist, I had to take prophylactic antibiotics and things like that. It wasn't like it was a big deal because I was always going through the stress test protocol, like pro forma. And it was, okay, 
you seem like you're in fine shape and there's no blockages. And so just watch that when you go to the dentist. <laughs> so. Wow. So how old were you when it was first diagnosed? What, the bicuspid aortic valve? Yes. Just when I had sudden cardiac arrest. So oh that would have been, yeah. So, so when you were a kid, you didn't know? No, I had no idea. No. Wow. But we did the testing of all of our kids so that we could figure out whether they had it. Mm-hmm. And none of them do, which is great. That is great. Yeah, because I mean, I think that it does sort of mean that, you know, you got to watch out for aortic stenosis in the future. Right, right. The most common theme that I hear is why. She always needed um, a lot of attention. She had strokes. Even though it's a natural inclination to withdraw from the CHD community, I think being a part of it helped me be part of the solution. Heart to Heart with Michael. Please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern. I'm Michael Eben, and I'll be your host as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. Home Tonight Forever by the Baby Blues Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. So what does being a cardiac athlete mean to you, Paul? (laughs) Well, I think it means that I am a resilient person, And that I have been blessed with the medical treatment that enables me to get back out there to do the things that I love and to be active and that, and I'm not alone. I mean, I think when I look on the website and the Facebook pages and those kinds of things, and I think about the people that I ran the TC 10 miler with and the marathon, my global heroes, friends, I am just encouraged because There's folks out there who are training. I mean, they'll write in and like, well, I got a shock last week, but I'm back running again (laughs) or whatever it is. And, and I just am so inspired by that. I mean, one of the guys, you know, struggle with such bad arrhythmia that he would be shocked in the middle of just teaching school, which was, you know, one of the things that he does. Yeah. So anyway, it was an incredibly inspiring moment when I got to meet those folks and, So I think of them a lot, you know, when I'm out working out and thinking, you know what, I am really fortunate. I don't look at this and think like, wow, if only I didn't have this debilitating issue. I look at it as like, wow, I am so fortunate to have survived them. I'm one of the less than 5% of people that are revived from sudden cardiac arrest out of the hospital Mm-hmm. and who make it. And most of the people have brain damage. I mean, you could argue that at some point I have brain damage, <laughs> but I don't think I do. <laughs> you don't sound like you do. No, you sound, right. You, you know, sound but, awesome. I mean, my, yeah, that's because my buddies 
were acting as my heart right. for six minutes. And the thing about CPR is that it seems daunting. It seems like you're going to make a mistake and you just never know what kind of an impact that's going to make on the person. Even if they don't come back right away, you are getting oxygen to their cells and to their brain that will help them to maintain that brain so that they can have normal functioning going on. And so I encourage everyone I know to get the CPR training and also to work out with a buddy to mm-hmm. have their phone on them if they can. Yeah. We have a group here in Charlotte called F3, which stands for Fitness, Faith and Fellowship. It's a peer led free workout to movement here in Charlotte. There's probably 60 different workouts in this city. They're, they're in Dallas, they're in Houston, they're in Nashville, they're all over. But in each one of those workouts, one of the requirements is that they have a phone on hand. And actually a guy did pass away from a heart attack just recently in Houston, but they had a phone, they did whatever they could. I mean, he just had an incredibly blocked heart, but to have the precautions. And I think it's like anything else. I don't want people to be scared away from working out because these things do happen because working out is the number one thing that we can do to prevent heart disease problems. Exactly. Exactly. So it's that nutrition and sleep and having great relationships that are these indicators for having a good heart health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that a lot of times people say, well, if a guy like you goes down in a workout, what hope do I have? And I say, don't look at me that way, <laughs> right? Please but don't put all, me but, on that. No, no, but we're all, all unique. And I don't think that's right. a fair thing to say because you had a structural problem in your yeah. heart and not everybody does. So you shouldn't be comparing yourself to one another. You can only compare yourself to yourself. And that's why yeah. I love the fact that you were extremely a top performer and you went down and instead of saying, well, I'll never be that again, you're working your way back up again. And yeah. I think that's amazing. Will you be writing for Lars Andrews' book about cardiac athletes? I would love to. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> this well, is we've... like you just put me on the spot, right? But well, yeah, he's looking for contributors to his second sure. book. And Lisa, who is my director, is also contributing an essay to the book. And I love all the different inspiring athletes who have come on the show who are contributing to Lars's book because I think it will give a broader scope of the different kinds of heart defects that can affect people and heart conditions yeah. that can affect people. It's not just a heart attack. It's not just coronary heart disease. There are over 42 different kinds of congenital heart defects that can occur. So we're raising awareness with this program. I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Paul. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is great. It was really fun. Please come back next week when we'll be starting a brand new season. The theme for season 11 is Heart Warrior Siblings, and you are going to be inspired by the stories these siblings have to share. Until then, my friends, remember you are Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD the hospitals that treat children with CHD, 
summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.